The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or... Treatment advice. Good one. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk about starch. Starch isn't bad. People think carbs are bad. Carbs might actually be good. You are... Who are you? (laughs) Starch. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. I mean, queen keto over there, and now you start that with carbs might be good for you. It's a new year. What is going on? I've got a new philosophy, Michael. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. How you doing, Patty Devers? I'm doing great. It's the new year, and I'm Welcome really back. excited. Aw, thanks. I didn't know how to do this intro without you. <laughs> it's okay. It's very yeah. evident. No, you were great. Anyway, uh, this is a podcast. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you to Genova. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And if you stumbled on this podcast and you're brand new... Welcome to the Lab Report. I stumble on this podcast I know you all do. the time. I know, I see it. And if you're returning, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. We're entering our fourth year of the Lab Report, which Holy is moly. super exciting. And if by now you have not gone and subscribed to the show, perhaps you should. Maybe mm. rate, review, leave us some stars, yeah. that stuff. Helps us spread the words. It does. Uh, and if you have additional feedback, you can always send that feedback to podcast at gdx.net. That is our email address. And if you're a patient interested in ordering testing directly or being connected with a Genova client, you can head over to Genova Connect, which is connect.gdx.net. But it is good to have you back, Patty. Thanks, Michael. You did great. I must say, we got a lot of really great feedback on the last episode, and I will say Michael spearheaded most of that. So thank you. It's fine. I mean, you don't need to see your kids around the holidays. Who needs you to should see be the kids? editing podcasts. That's right. And so that's, you know, that's just that's what I do here. Well done. It's my commitment. Well done. Uh, anyway, so we were talking earlier <laughs> and we were trying to think up what a good podcast uh-huh. episode might be. And you just looked at me and you said, what about starch? And I'll, do, do you know why I said that? Because you were home and you ate a lot of potatoes. That's right. And I came into work this morning and I said to Michael, you know, I've changed my thinking. I have a new <laughs> philosophy yeah. into this new year. I realized that with my advancing age and hormonal imbalances, <laughs> keto has not been my friend. Yeah, and you took a a, a note from the Esther Blum I conversation did. we had. I did. Where, you know, maybe perhaps keto is not the best thing, or maybe it, it doesn't work entirely for women of a certain age. Correct. And you tried it out for one night, <laughs> and, and it, you slept well. It worked. So you're like, listen, I'm changing everything. I'm not changing everything. I'm rethinking the vilification of carbohydrates because not all carbohydrates are created equally, okay. right? Okay. And so I figured, all right. I agree with that. I grew up on potatoes, and yeah. suddenly I have like vilified carbs. Said how terrible they are. What if I just turn around and embrace the potato? Sure. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. Like you've had generations yes. of epigenetic changes to ensure the optimization of the processing right. of potatoes. And most civilizations around the world have carbohydrates as their basis, like rice and potatoes and beans. So there's a lot of civilizations out there that are very carb-centric. And I feel like 
here in America, we have vilified carbs to the point of I'm turning around and I'm going to embrace them and find a middle ground. Okay. All right. So, so you wanted to talk about starch. I did. We're going to start here with starch. What a, what's a good way to start the new year? <laughs> I mean, it is nothing fires me up more than talking <laughs> about starch. Case in point, when you did say, what about an episode on starch? I think I said, sounds pretty bland. And I said, perfect title. So I guess <laughs> let's try it. Let's see yeah. what happens right. with an episode on starch. Yeah. And I don't even know where to start. Well, I want to bring it back kind of far because, like I said, three years of doing the show, we obsess about diets, macronutrients, micronutrients. I mean, it's kind of our jam, right? Sure. And so when you think of the macronutrients in the diet, we think of fats, mm-hmm. proteins, mm-hmm. and carbohydrates. Right. We've talked a lot about fats. Right. We talk a ridiculous amount about protein. Let's give carbs their due, right? Uh, okay. Let's give carbs their due. So now if I take the next step in that flow chart from carbohydrate, basically I'm thinking of sugars and starches. Right. So there's sugars, which are simple carbohydrates, and then there's starches and fibers, which are complex carbohydrates, right? right? Okay. Now make no mistake, Michael, when I said I wanted to do an episode on starch and embrace carbohydrates, I meant starch. I'm not meaning simple sugars and candy. I'm talking about healthy carbohydrates. Yeah, I got it. I mean, I could totally go off the cuff on candy probably for an hour, but that wouldn't be helpful for anyone. Mm -hmm. So- Let's talk about complex carbohydrates because there's various groups of them, correct? There are, and there are various types of starches. And so, you know, starches occur naturally in foods, right? We know this, you know, tubers and lentils and green bananas and quinoa, things like that. But there's also processed starch, which is like baked goods, cookies. Mm, Processed starch. (laughs) But then there's also industrial starches, right? So you think about putting starch on your collar when you iron your shirts. Ah, uh, I see. As I see. you do. Yeah. And like adhesives and papers. Well, I don't do it. I mean, well, the, the people do it. Basically, Travis does it. Thank you, Travis. Well, we're not talking about processed or industrial. We're talking about those natural starches. Okay, got it. And so these natural starches, uh, they consist of two different constituents, components, right? Right. In varying different concentrations. Mm-hmm. And the two are the amylose and the amylopectin. Correct. And so depending on at what kind of concentration or proportion those are, it determines how digestible the starch is, right? Right, and that's the key to starches, the digestibility, because if it's rapid or slow, kind of depends on the glycemic index, which we talk a lot about, like how rapidly it's going to spike your blood sugar versus keep it stable. And in general, when I think of keeping your blood sugar stable, you're thinking of starches that are slowly digested Mm -hmm. um, rather than rapidly digested, which is... Well, it's interesting because one of the things it says here is that the starches that are high in amylose tend to be your your slow digested starches as compared to the starches that are high in amylopectin are your fast digested Mm. starches. But amylose is a sugar. Right. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you why would the sugar be you would think that would spike your glucose and yada yada that it would be the opposite. Yeah, it's kinda like counter counterintuitive, isn't it? But actually I had to look this up, too, because I didn't believe it. I thought, this is wrong. This is backward. But what they have found is that amylopectin is more easily digested than amylose because the amylopectin polymers have more 
intramolecular hydrogen bonds and less surface area. So uh, it's the structure of the molecule. So we're thinking pectin. intramolecular <laughs> hydrogen bonds. Get you every time. Putting a wrench in things. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that makes sense. So so basically you're saying because that the actual molecule cannot be chopped up as readily because of those the differences between the bonds. Okay, Correct. that makes Correct. sense. And therefore it's not releasing the amylose, the sugar, into the system as rapidly. Right. So you think about... Simple sugars, like we were talking about candy, Qu quickly, rapidly increase your blood sugar. Straight glucose, S right. baby. <laughs> Same with amylopectins, which are rapidly digestible starches. Okay, that all sounds like a lot of neat talk, but um, what? how is this convincing you of anything healthy? Well, there's a lot of great health benefits to some of these slowly digestible starches and resistant starches. And in essence, I'm just trying to pull us away from being so extreme in our beliefs and to stop vilifying the potato. No, I know what you're doing. You're not trying to just stop vilifying it. You just want to eat them again. <laughs> you're just trying to get your way back to a potato. <laughs> and I'm doing it by this podcast because the health benefits of slowly digestible starches and resistant starches are well-researched. I, I've seen some of that, yes. I just want to add in one additional thing is that right. not only are you just trying to get back to the potato, uh -huh. but you said you're going to be doing, you're not going to be doing dairy. So rem let me remind you okay. that potatoes taste basically terrible without what? any of the additional Blasphemy. things no. like butter, Dude. salt, sour cream, bacon, Michael. chives, cheese. <laughs> you see where Michael, I'm going? Are, are we breaking up here? Because that's blasphemy. I'm sorry. Potatoes are delicious. You want to just cook a bowl of potatoes yes, and eat them? I would. It doesn't taste like it tastes like starch. I'd, I'd eat it raw. All right. Well, that's interesting. But uh, I guess go ahead and tell me about your potato diet. No. <laughs> and Let, when the health benefits. Let's just talk first about slowly digestible starches. Okay. Right. That means that it's going to take anywhere from twenty to one hundred and twenty minutes from the breakdown. We know they break down into various types of sugars, but the longer it takes for them to break down, the better glycemic control and the lower glycemic index that you have. And it also is helpful in controlling and preventing hyper and hypoglycemic related diseases, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, and in fact. Wait, okay, hold on. So you said that it's helped to improve glycemic index, likely going to help to improve overall blood sugar parameters and therefore help to prevent carbohydrate or insulin resistant metabolic based diseases. Mm -hmm. But that's essentially saying that Res the resistant starches or the complex carbohydrates are better than simple carbohydrates, but that doesn't necessarily make mm -hmm. it better than no carbohydrates. Or I'm not sure if that study's been done head to head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd have to go looking. But it also comes to the point of if you think about some of these starches, these slowly digestible starches, not only are you increasing and improving your glycemic index and your metabolic parameters, but also realize that they're getting down into the colon and they're actually contributing to the microbiome. So it may also be contributing to gut health, the production of short-chain fatty acids. So therefore, maybe, I'm thinking theoretically, a bit better than no carbohydrates at all. Okay, so this is going to get interesting over the next several months because mm -hmm. I'm doing low-carbohydrate, keto-ish diet. You're <laughs> abandoning all of it. Not I don't even know it. how you're going to call how you're going to talk to Dom Diagostino again. I mean, <laughs> or Paul Saladino. I hope they don't hear this. Well, listen, it's an experiment, okay? Neither of those are perimenopausal females, okay? I'm just saying this is a an experiment. I'm working with my body to try to figure it out, and I'm going to stop vilifying entire macronutrients. So, 
I think we should move on with talking about the microbiome impacts because I think there's some good stuff to unpack here. And, um, you know, I think it's very common for us in the integrative space to be talking about needing these complex carbohydrates to feed the microbiome. So I think we should get into that a little bit, but also with the caveat of we haven't really studied it from the other angle, too. No, you're right. So you mentioned one of the most important things there, which is these complex carbohydrates, resistant starches, are really great fuel sources for the microbiome and get fermented into short-chain fatty acids. So you want to talk a little bit about why that's important? Yeah, and I would say, so like we said, they're slowly digestible starches, and then there's resistant starches. Uh And resistant starches aren't broken down at all in the small intestine and make their way to the large intestine where they get fermented by your microbiome to create short-chain fatty acids, which we know have very important systemic effects. Well, as we all know, butyrate, which is one of those short-chain fatty acids formed in the microbiome, is the preferred fuel source for all of the colonic epithelial cells. So we know that that's important. It's an important role in regulating cell proliferation in the GI tract. Yeah, it also interacts with the mucus barrier, the barrier function, um, by uh, reducing leaky gut. Basically, it helps to assist in tight chain regulation. For sure. And it can stimulate cell proliferation in the normal colon cells, but it's also shown to suppress some of the proliferation in adenocarcinomic cells. Interesting. And also plays an important role in inflammatory bowel disease Mm -hmm. for a couple of reasons. And we've talked about the butyrate paradox as it relates to high and low levels related to inflammatory bowel disease. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that paradox essentially being that you tend to see improvements when you give people butyrate or butyric acid that have IBD or support butyrate production, uh, but then also people with IBD tend to have high butyrate on a stool test, um, which might have more to do with poor absorption rather than production. But even though butyrate's kind of the darling, I mean, the other short-chain fatty acids also have some important roles that we're learning more and more about, like propionate Mm -hmm. seems to have some activity in the central nervous system. Um, They've seen alterations in propionate absorption production in uh, people with like neurocognitive, neurobehavioral disorders. So that's a a very interesting one in in what it might be doing. Of course, propionic acid is used in the system quite a bit all over the place, too. So... And there's that that aspect of the organism in the microbiome, Vanella, which right. breaks down lactate, which can be upregulated in perhaps exercise, um, that then produces propionate itself. Right. So you can see, I'm telling you, resistant starches, slowly digestible starches, not all bad, really helpful for your microbiome, better for glycemic control, and potatoes are delicious. I mean, there's several points there that you made that I disagree with. Um, particularly the potatoes being delicious, but then also (laughs) the fact, I mean, I still am not sold that, um, having, having complex carbohydrates and resistant starches as compared to simple carbohydrates certainly makes sense. Right. Um, but comparing that to, to low carbohydrates in general, Mm -hmm. uh, I still have a question mark there that I think we need to to dig in a little bit further. I'm not disagreeing with that. Um, but that being said, I mean, make a lot of great points as far as the microbiome around resistant starches. So like what, I don't think a lot of people know what are resistant starches or, or where you can get them. So can you go into what some of the foods that contain resistant starches might be? Well, when we think about the rapidly digestible starches that spike your blood sugar, those are things like breads and cereals and baked goods and potato chips, right? The things that are actually delicious <laughs> rather than potatoes. <laughs> no bueno. But then there's the slowly digestible starches, which are things like various vegetables uh-huh. or oats or brown rice. And uh-huh. then resistant starches are things like legumes, beans, lentils, 
potatoes, green bananas, but mainly things that are heated up and cooled, like cooled potatoes. Why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Why, like, if you heat it and then you put it in the fridge, like, what? what's the difference? Whether, like, you've processed the food, right? Mm-hmm. And it's done some chemical alterations in that, in that heating process. But then you put it in the fridge. To me, it's, it feels like cooling it down is just preserving it in its state. That's the way I think of cooling things, you know? If you want to save a loaf of bread or, you know, a ribeye, then you put it in the <laughs> freezer because it preserves it. But, like, why, why would cold potatoes have more resistant starches than hot potatoes? Well, it all comes down to something called retrogradation. You made that up. Retrogradation. Mm-hmm. That's, like, normally what you tell me mercury is in, like, every other day. <laughs> right? What I is do retro- tell you that all the time. <laughs> what is retrogradation? Let's hypothetically say, Michael, you go home tonight and you make yourself some nice fluffy mashed potatoes. Nope, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So when you heat and cook the potatoes, that amylose and amylopectin gets cooked and it becomes a gelatinized starch and it kind of becomes something more viscous. Now, you don't eat all of the potatoes. Therefore, you put them in your refrigerator and you let them cool. (laughs) Put them right in the garbage. Nope. So what happens overnight as they cool is that they start to realign and they retrograde and rearrange themselves back again into a crystalline structure. Now. So you're saying all those hydrogen bonds start to shift around and they actually change their concentration of amylopectin and amylose. Well, they come back together. They rearrange in a different form and they expel some of that water from the polymer network, but still has a little small amount of water. But what happens is by retrograding that starch, it becomes less digestible and more resistant. Okay. I got it. But it's just, it's so odd to me. All of this is so odd to me because you know what else is not digestible? What? Cardboard. (laughs) So like if you're eating this food and you're like, well, let's just retrograde it to the point so your body can't digest it. And that way you won't process the carbs as well. It reminds me of that article I came across that was talking about chewing. And it was basically saying, hey, well, did you know that if you just swallow your food whole, then it won't spike your your insulin? It won't spike your your blood sugar as much? It's like. That's ridiculous. No, that's true, because it was like you're not using your amylase enzymes and blah, blah, to, to access the carbohydrates if you swallow your food whole. <laughs> and it's like, or you could just not eat it, right? <laughs> like, if you want to digest good things, then chew really well. But if you want to not digest bad things... Swallow it whole. Yeah, right. It's that's the same ridiculous. idea, right? It's the same thing going on with your retrograding of your potatoes. It's like, it's just making sure that you're not getting as much of a blood sugar spike. But then if you eat or swallow whole cardboard, does it help your microbiome, I guess is the question. And is, is it as delicious as a potato? I don't know. There's only a rat study. <laughs> but no, seriously, I got to tell you something, Patty. If you really start doing this potato diet and you start going hog wild with these potatoes, mm-hmm. I'm a little worried because Why? You know, potatoes aren't exactly the safest plants in the world. Okay. Do you know this? Well, Most wild potatoes. Most plants are dangerous. True. But potatoes in particular have glycoalkaloids that are highly toxic to people. Um, and so l- let me give you this stat. So a safety limit of 20 milligrams per 100 grams of potato was established over 100 years ago. Most domesticated potatoes that you're eating have half that, 10 milligrams. Hmm. So Even after you cook them? Yes. Yes, even after you cook them. And in fact, um, indigenous people used to consume the wild potatoes mm-hmm. with clay. 
Because Why? of how well, because there was a, con- a constituent within the clay that actually would bind the glycoalkaloids. Of course, they didn't know that, but they realized that hey, we can actually now eat these things out of the ground without dying. But they're then eating the clay, which is just a binder in your GI tract. In right. Essence. Yeah. Right. So you're saying I should also eat clay? Probably. But there's only a rat study. <laughs> okay, so what you're telling me is that I should switch from potato starches to cornstarch. I don't think that's what I'm telling you. In fact, uh-huh. I, I, cornstarch, the only thing I know about cornstarch is that if you mix it with water, you can turn it into some sort of slime called oobleck because super messy, and, and I hate it every time I get asked to make it for the kids. <laughs> I'll tell you, I had never heard the word oobleck until I met you uh-huh. and this old Dr. Seuss and kids and making slime thing. Why don't you make some and bring it in? No. Can, I, can like you I eat said, it? I don't. You wouldn't want to. Why it's not? Slime. Would you want to eat slime? I don't know. Might Plus, be, it tastes like cornstarch, which tastes like, what did I say? Basically nothing. You can Could smell it and be like, yep, that's going to taste like nothing. I might love it. I will bring you in a box of cornstarch, and you can have at it. No, I want you to make oobleck or oblong. Yeah, well, what's the difference with cornstarch? I mean, is it is it slow digested, fast digested? It, what, what's, how is it different from potato starch or any other starch? Yeah, I think cornstarch in general is digested very quickly in your body and can lead to spikes in your blood sugar, so it's rapidly digestible starch. So... Probably not the best. There we go, Travis. Happy New Year. Three thoughts. Number one, I thought in this new year we were going to try to hear Travis's voice and give him an outlet to express his feelings. So let's start to think about that. We have to ask Travis first. We we do. He currently has his arms crossed, (laughs) and the look on his face is not pleasant. Not pleasant. Secondarily, Hmm. you were like super rocking out over there listening to that jingle. I like that one. I know you do. Number three, do you think perhaps it's time to come up with a new jingle since we're in a new year? new era. Maybe we need a a refreshed jingle. I can't believe you're even asking me that because you have forever been against the jingles of all time. So you are actually invoking some sort of creative licensure for me to create a new jingle. Is that what I just heard you say? Listen, Because if you do that, (laughs) you don't know what you are about to unleash. Look, Alinda, I'm just saying, in general, the jingles give me hives and I hate them with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. But you're getting better at them. And I'm thinking this might be the year where you turn it around. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> I can't wait to prove you wrong. No, in all seriousness, the question of the day today that okay. is just from me. It's not from anyone okay. else. It's not from a listener. It's not from Joe. It's this. Is there anything nutritious in a potato? Because what? by the taste of it, you wouldn't think there was. Because something that tastes like nothing probably has basically oh. nothing in it. Here we go. Of course not. Actually, potatoes are very nutritious. There's like six grams of protein in a potato. They're a great source of things like calcium and folate and magnesium. And in fact, it has more potassium than a banana. A potato has half of the vitamin B6 you might need for the day and over 40% of the recommended daily amount of vitamin C. And they're delicious. That's that's amazing it has that much protein. That's right. Six grams. How big of a potato are we talking? I don't know. Average potato? What's an average potato? I don't know. (laughs) 
Next time on The Lab Report, we're going to talk about berberine. Really? Are we really going to talk about berberine? Because this is the third time we've teased it and not done it. And it won't be the last. (laughs) You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. So, Patty, we've had a busy month since uh, we were last we doing stuff. So, yeah, um, so traveled a lot. Yeah, and in Vegas, met some fans there. We did. Uh, some listeners. Shout out to uh, Arian, who's a NP from Idaho. Speaking she of potatoes. Awesome. Speaking she of potatoes. Hope you like the awesome. potato episode. <laughs> I'll also say, your last episode, I got a lot of really great feedback from people that I wouldn't have even thought were listening. Shout out to my most unbiased fan, Tim. <laughs>